Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Janine here. We are a lifestyle podcast highlighting members of the LGBTQ community while learning about their personal journeys, risks, career paths, and coming out experiences. We are an inspirational lifestyle platform to empower all listeners, specifically for the LGBTQ community and allies as a form of mentorship. Episodes release semi-monthly on the 1st and 15th of every month. So I'm really excited today. Um, we have on the show Anna Pulley, um, who I've personally been referring to as the LGBTQ Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. Um, Love that. <laughs> Um, but a little bit about Anna is she was born and raised in Tuscan, Arizona. She spent four years in Chicago and then headed back west to the Bay Area where she currently resides. She was a hot dog slinger, shoe salesman, PE teacher, and waitress at a retirement home, among other things, before she figured out the best way to degrade herself as a writer. She's been published in places such as Mother Jones Magazine, San Francisco Magazine, The Oakland Issue won a National Magazine Award, BuzzFeed, Alternet, Salon, TheDaily.com, and The Rumpus. When she's not attempting to lead a haiku revival, she also writes advice columns for After Ellen and Chicago's Red Eye Paper. So welcome to the show, Anna. Um, Anna, thank you so much for having me. I have so many questions to ask you that I'm not even sure where to begin. (laughs) I guess let's start with your path. Like, you've done a lot of things. You know, you lived in a bunch of different cities. Do you think all those jobs and sort of paths you went on led you to what you're supposed to be doing now and today? Of course. I think that the past always informs the present. And even those sort of crap jobs that you maybe dismiss as being, you know, whatever, fillers, I think that they really do end up shaping you in ways that maybe you're not aware of until later. And I definitely think that all of my past experiences have added up to to the kind of person that I am today. So what led you on the path to become a writer? Was that something that you always had an interest in? Like, how did that start? It was. It was always something that I wanted to do. And I feel really lucky in that way. I didn't have a lot of sort of uncertainty or confusion about that. When I was, I think, three or four, I told my mom that I was going to be an English lit major. (laughs) And it just sort of stuck. And it's great. I've never had to be sort of like, ah, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, it's always been hiding. So from a young age, you knew. But also, were you always doing it on the side? Were you writing when you weren't working on these other jobs? Or is it something that once it started happening, it started building? Yeah, so I definitely had the whole, um, the talk from people, from guidance counselors, from whoever, you know, being like, oh, you can't, you can't be a writer. You have to do something else. You have to like be a teacher. You have to have a steady job. And so that, you know, I I listened to that uh, kind of stupidly. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) And it took me a while to get to the actual writing part of it. And I started doing it. I started freelancing in probably like 2007 when I was 23 or 24 and sort of gave myself permission to be creative and artistic, which is something that our society doesn't really allow us to do. We sort of have to think of it as a side project and not something that we can devote our lives to. So, yeah, I did the I did the responsible full time job thing for for many years. Yeah, like we all do. It's interesting you say that because it's sort of like society views these things as hobbies. Right. But once we focus 100 percent on those quote unquote hobbies, they actually become your full time profession or 
if you're lucky enough or fortunate enough to actually do something you love and are passionate about on a given day. Yeah. And it actually, so I've been laid off three times. Um, I've worked in the publishing industry for many years now and I, um, it's a very volatile industry. And so I was sort of forced to be a freelancer. Um, and it was really scary and I didn't know if I could do it. And, but I'm really grateful for those getting laid off. It's really, it really made me, it propelled me into being a creative person full time. And that is so invaluable and something that you know, I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah, that's amazing. So the way I actually came across you before your writing was I was listening uh, to Dan Savage's podcast. And I don't know, I tend to only listen to the ones that include gay people. I don't know, maybe I'm uh, kind of biased, but whatever. I saw your name in there and what you were going to be talking about. And I was like, hmm, This seems interesting. He had a listener, a male listener that called in and I think it was episode 283. I can double check and put it in our show notes. But there was a female that identified as lesbian, but she was flirting with this male. And the male is like, I know I'm trying to respect her because she is out, but she also is flirting with me. So it's very confusing situation. Then he brought on you to give the advice. Do you feel that these things are more fluid and that maybe we don't know, or maybe we define this one way, but then we also slip or hook up with the opposite sex? Can you talk a little bit more about this? Yeah, of course. Um, I definitely think that it can be fluid. There's a lot of arguments about this and plenty of people would be like, I would never do that. And like, you're not a real lesbian if you ever have sex with a man. But I I don't (laughs) think in those terms. I think that it's silly that we police ourselves. And, um, you know, even even me, I identify politically as bisexual, even though I don't really date men anymore. I just sleep with them like very occasionally. (laughs) How is that? I guess for me, because I'm not a gold star lesbian, I wasn't probably out till my mid 20s. I've had only slept with men my whole life. But then for me, at least, when I slept with a woman for the first time, everything just kind of flip flopped. It was like, I'm not going back. Uh, I mean, until this day, I am attracted to men, but I don't know. There's something that I don't know if they fulfill me sexually, but. I could also just be be being ignorant, right? Sure, sure. It's weird. It's weird. It's sexuality. It's complicated. You know, it doesn't always fall neatly into a row. For some people, it absolutely does. But for others, it's like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. What does this mean? Like, what's my identity now? And for some people, it can be really, it can really tear them up, you know, to be like, I, I identify as a lesbian, hardcore, and then you sleep with a guy. And it's like, oh my God, did, did they take away my, like, <laughs> yeah. what, so, like, I don't know. I don't know. So it's very complicated. And I do think that there's especially a lot of contention over men hitting on lesbians. And so a bit with that guy, I felt like he was being sweet and sincere. He wasn't like, I'm trying to like prove something and I'm trying to like switch this girl over. I think he was just like, maybe she likes me. I don't know. It was yeah. very kind of lesbian, actually, his question. <laughs> Does she like me? I don't know. What do I do? So it's interesting. I mean, because to me, I guess in the past, I didn't view people by their sex. I identify as lesbian now, but in the past, 
I didn't see sex. I would just see, hey, I'm attracted to this person. This is happening. I'm enjoying it. Whatever. You know, so I feel like if people were more open minded to it, you know, but I know hardcore lesbians that will not date you if you've ever been with a man or if you identify as bi, it's like, oh, stay away from them because they'll always go back to men. How do you feel about these stigmas? Oh, I hate those stigmas. Um, there's nothing that upsets me more than lesbians policing bisexual women. I just, I feel like they're a part of our community and they deserve to be taken at face value. I feel like when we say things like, when we project an idea of someone or a future, like you're going to leave me for a man, therefore I'm never going to date you. It's just, you're really limiting yourself and also like coming off as kind of an asshole. For sure. Because I mean, obviously they like you, they're with you. They aren't with a man or whoever else. Right. Um, so yeah, that upsets me a lot. I understand it. I get that it's fear that drives those. And probably someone had a past experience where, you know, maybe a bisexual woman did leave them for a man and it sort of colored their their whole, you know, idea of how bisexuals are. But I think it's really dangerous when we do that and that we should give people the benefit of the doubt, especially bisexuals, because we're just constantly contradicted and told, like, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you want. And a lot of the time that's not true. Yeah. Or the best one was because when I identified as bi, so I identified as bi first. I came out as bi, which I felt like was almost a mistake to my family and friends because they had hope that I may go back. Oh, it didn't work out with this girl. Oh, I'm going to introduce you to this really nice guy. I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. Or I'd always be called greedy. You have to pick one or the other. Why do you get to have both? Do you feel you ever get this or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I get more. I get the indecisive stereotype more than like you want everything, you greedy bisexual. Um, But yeah, I get the like, you don't know what you want. And I'm like, I have spent the last like 14 years figuring out what I want. (laughs) I have a pretty good idea. I'm like you stranger in the bar who's just whatever saying your thing. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a funny thing. So on Dan's podcast, you also say, which I thought was hysterical, you say, my heart is gay and my vagina is less discriminatory. Do you feel that you have a different connection with women and men when you are intimate with them? Or is it the same for you? Oh, no, I definitely feel stronger connections with women. I I don't fall in love with men. It's just like, it's something that, I mean, I did in high school. I had a high school boyfriend and I was completely in love and and crushed by him when he ended up leaving me for another woman. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, I just, I, I don't feel that sort of intense, crazy drive toward women that I do for men. With men, it's more like, you're hot, like, let's just put our faces together. call it a day (laughs) you're funny so you're saying with a lesbian you're ready to get the u-haul but with men it's like let's play that's it yeah yeah got it okay (laughs) oh god it's a funny time to be single i'll tell you that never in my life have i've had more propositions for threesomes with a male there was a time in my life that i was like yeah you know i do that i consider it and now it's like I don't know. After reading all your things, maybe, mm, I don't know, maybe I'm being judgy or like, I don't know. Like, it's a very interesting time. That's like propelling you to be like, oh, that makes me feel gross. Don't do it. Like, yeah, for sure. 
So in this salon article, which caught my eye, San Francisco turned me straight because, you know, you think of San Francisco as this gay mecca and straight women go there and become gay. Everyone finds themselves in San Francisco. So I've been told. One of the other people we interviewed for this podcast, uh, he never knew there was a bear community until he moved to California. And I believe it was specifically San Francisco that he found that community. And he was like, oh, my God, you know, there's all these men. It's like an awakening. So you state, I didn't realize I liked girls until I was 20. So I was never a gold star lesbian, someone who never slept with boys. But I am pretty stereotypically gay. I was a high school gym teacher. I drive a pickup truck. I minored in women's studies. I know the difference between Tempa and Seton. It's all women and girls up in this hizzy, in other words. Yet, I found myself a few months after my breakup mired in men and behaving a lot straighter than I had at any other time in my life, which includes the brief affair I tried to have with eyelash crimpers in high school. So can you talk more about this and how you actually came out and when you knew? Sure. I came out when I was 20. Um, I fell in love with this girl in London. I was studying abroad and this girl didn't speak English. She was Spanish and she was in this sort of like, we were all in this weird kind of cultural exchange program, um, except there were six of us from Arizona who were just, you know, in England having a good time, basically. (laughs) And so I just completely, completely fell for this Spanish girl. And, you know, it was really convenient because she didn't speak English. So actually talk or do anything. Um, And my way of hitting on her. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And asking her inappropriate questions about her boyfriend. So that worked out really well for me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it just sort of like, it was a spark and it caused this rift in my whole identity. And I became really gay really fast. It was like, I was so excited and um, just like, you know, really determined to be with women. And so I was with the wrong women for like a, a long time, you know, just because I was like, someone is attracted to me. Oh my God. See, this happens to every girl. Like, I'm always like, is it me? <laughs> I feel like the first girls I hooked up with or dated, I was so excited, right? Like when it was first happening and I was so in love. <laughs> and now I look back on it and I'm like, I don't know. Like... <laughs> It's so intense, so quick, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's common with any with anyone who's coming out and sort of just realizing there's this part of yourself that you've never explored and you've never had the freedom to explore. But I think it maybe tends to make us go for the wrong women just because they're the ones that are there and saying yes, which is not <laughs> the qualifier for why you should be with someone. Um, for sure. But yeah, so I like, I tried to, I pursued a straight woman friend of mine and that went horribly. And and then another, she was bi and she ended up cheating on me and that went horribly as well. And then I met another, like she had been mostly straight um, when we met, but like she ended up being my first long-term girlfriend and um, we were gay all throughout Chicago and I lived there for four years. Um... And then I met Ellie, the woman I thought I was going to marry, the one that sort of catalyzed this straight phase that I had. <laughs> um, and when I think back on it, I really do think that 
I was hurting. I was just responding to this deep wound and I did not know how to deal with it. I wasn't prepared. And so I found myself, you know, out and guys are typically more aggressive than women. They're the ones who are like going to hit on you and tell you that you're pretty and buy you drinks. And so I was like, this is incredibly convenient. I'm just going to do it. So, and I mean, I had guy friends and they're also very slutty and easy to sleep with. If all you have to do is make a suggestion and it's like, great, like come over to my house. My pants are half undone already. Um, <laughs> what you say is so real. It's so funny because like, it's so true. I was having this conversation with my coworkers. It's weird. I get hit on by men sometimes, but I forget. I've been so out of the scene. I'm like, oh, wait, was he just hitting on me? He asked me for my number. And I'm like, wait, why do you want my number? Oh, like, I became so narrow-minded and only focused on women. But it is, it's like almost a turnoff. But never in my life have I felt like that. Because a man is so easy, right? There's no catch. It's like, if I know I can walk into a bar and leave within an hour, wait, probably less than an hour, with a guy, it's not as much as a challenge. It's not as exciting. Do you feel that way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And with women, it takes six months. You have to write poetry. <laughs> you have to, like, really put a lot of effort and time into it. And, I mean, if it, if it was that way, like, if you could walk into a bar, hit on a woman, and go home with her, oh, like, wouldn't our society be amazing? <laughs> and have these guards up because of the men who hit on them a lot of the time, you know, and just, you know, the world is sort of, it's harder to be a woman. Um, but you know, like if we had these sort of ways to connect with each other that were, that were easier, I think that, yeah, we would all get laid a lot more. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh man. You know how many lesbians would know each other after that? My goodness. Everyone already knows everyone. I can only imagine. Um, so have you ever turned a straight girl I know there's a term for it. I just can't remember what it is. Yes, I love that. I love straight women. I know. I think it was going back to the thing that you were talking about earlier about you're just attracted to people. You don't necessarily think, is this person a lesbian or is this person a queer person? You just think there's a hot person that I connect with. And then you find out she's straight and it's like, oh, but that doesn't stop your attraction. Like you're already attracted. And so, yeah, I try not to anymore, but there's definitely been instances where it doesn't stop me from pursuing <laughs> It just gets very complicated because then they get very confused. Yes. Yes, they do. And well, you obviously don't want to take advantage of anyone. Exactly. And not to call it all straight women, but in my experience, they're either really excited or they fall madly in love with you and you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? Um, and it's interesting I met a girl this past weekend who actually met her girlfriend while she was with her current boyfriend, but now they're engaged, the two girls. And I'm like, what? Um, She's like, yeah, I met her and she was dating this guy and she knew that he was cheating on her. So she swooped in and, you know, rescued her. Well, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't be making that assumption, but maybe there was just this connection and then something happened and it just worked out. I think that's amazing. Like, it's really incredible because you never know. You know, and I guess for me now, um, I just think like, oh, I can only date a lesbian or, oh, everything has to be set in this way. And I probably said this about 30 times, but it's not like, you know, maybe it's not like that. And I haven't really thought about it differently. 
Right. You never know. So, I mean, there. It's. I think it's more rare, but I do think it happens where you know a straight girl will leave someone and, and end up with a woman, and it's not unheard of. It's. It's again. It's about connection. It's about attraction. It's about whether because I do think that being straight is is you know it's the identity. It's the thing that we're trained to sort of be when we were growing up hetero and. So for some women, it's really hard to shake that. And it's hard to deal with the stigmas of being gay. It's hard to deal with, you know, the fallout from family and friends and all those other kind of crappy things that happen. Yeah. So that actually makes me think of uh, another thing. So when you did come out, were your um, friends and family supportive and are they still supportive? Do they understand it or do you keep certain things more personal? I... I do. My, my family was pretty supportive. Yeah. My dad was like, oh, I knew. <laughs> my dad said to me, do what you got to do, whatever that means. Yeah. I think my mom took a little more convincing. She was initially supportive because I came out as bi and it was similar. And she was like, oh, maybe, maybe you'll end up with a dude. Maybe that'll happen. Um, and she also really didn't like my first girlfriend very much. <laughs> was it just because she was a girl? We were bad for each other. Oh, okay. Like... Yeah, we would, I mean, she would get stoned and we would go to Wendy's. That's like our relationship. Oh my God. But sometimes those relationships can be fun. <laughs> right, sometimes. But yeah, so it was a short, it only lasted a few months, like a summer. Um, but yeah, she came around. She's great. My parents are awesome. And I love, I love that I can rely on them. And they're some of my biggest fans. Even They even listen to my racier podcast oh wow and, uh, my, you know smutty writing so I couldn't have asked for better parents that's awesome and I think too things with parents change as you age you know even my family like I'll be home for a family gathering and they're openly joking about sex and I'm like what um it's so weird because maybe 10 years ago this conversation would definitely not be happening um, so I think that as we grow, things sort of change too. Absolutely. And so much has changed since, you know, it's been over a decade since I've come out and, oh my gosh, like now we can get gay married now. Like, you know, a lot of these stigmas are falling away and it's a lot more prevalent in the media and, and cultural consciousness. So it's, it's amazing. I'm continually amazed at how far we've come. What I'm constantly amazed by is that there are so many young LGBTQ identified people that are so comfortable with themselves or they have so many resources and tools or just someone to lean on. Right. Whereas I feel like, or maybe when I, or maybe I was jaded. Right. Um, but when I was going through these things about these weird feelings, like, Oh, I've dated guys and I've liked guys, but I'm always thinking about girls and I'm always curious about them. I didn't have that outlet. So I think it's really incredible that um, it's currently, you know, provided and that they're growing up in a more accepting society. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I want to bring up from the Salon article um, is you talk about after a while, being straight felt more subversive to me than being queer, even more so when I was having queer sex with straight men. I would strap out a dildo and screw men face down on the mattress. I would grip their hips in my hands and feel alive, powerful. I am moving on, I thought. I am free and empowered. This city won't break me. Which to me is so powerful. Um, 
Was it the man that was more into it? You know, was it you? Did it just sort of happen? Did you feel the empowerment while you were doing it? Um, I love Peggy Men. It's so fun. And yeah, it's great to be in that sort of active role because in sex, women are often, you know, more of the passive. They're more of the like bottomy role. And that's not always true. That's sort of generally. Um, and it was amazing. It really, it really sort of, it made me feel queer to fuck men in this way. <laughs> yeah. I can be straight and still be queer. Um, and that was just a mind fuck. And I, <laughs> Uh, literally, it was <laughs> a mind plus fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was also, you know, again, it was part of my healing process. And um, I think that a lot more men are open to that than you would imagine. I am very aware of that. And I'm like, I feel like a, like insensitive and it just never crossed my mind. Or for me... It's just hard to understand why that would be enjoyable. But then I can also argue with myself about women in strap-ons. You know, it's sort of this fine line. Yeah. Well, men sort of, they also have their role, right? And I think sometimes maybe men want to get fucked. Like, it's not something that is set in stone. And also, obviously, they have a prostate and that is pleasurable to be stimulated. So they sort of have this win-win Um if they're, if they're open to it, again, it's like a mental thing, right? Can I get used to the idea of being fucked by a woman as opposed to fucking her? Like, will that mess with my identity in some way? And for some men, I think it would. But did you read about the whole Kanye finger? In the butt? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I was like, just admit it, Kanye. It's fine. Like, you can take some fingers in the ass. Like, it doesn't make you gay. <laughs> but it's so funny. Um, there's so many rumors that he is gay. And I guess that's maybe why he doesn't want to admit to liking something. What's funny is the first time I heard about this was at work. And I'm like, why are we having this conversation here? Absolutely. Uh, Talk about um, the biggest waste of time. <laughs> think, pieces, think pieces on Kanye's anal preferences. Yeah, it's very strange, right? Why do we constantly talk about Kanye? We're like obsessed and I feel kind of creepy at times. Uh, I just need to stop. <laughs> but yeah, we're always talking about him and his Twitter when he's having his breakdowns. And I'm always like, oh boy. But um, with all these experiences, right, do you feel like they have helped your writing? Do you feel like you need it for your writing? Or is it something um, that enhances your writing? It, um, yeah, all of these experiences are, are something that have deeply impacted my writing. And it was sort of an accident how that happened. Like, I'm never sort of, I don't ever have sex with someone for like, oh, the story will be so good. I'll have to, you know, I'll have to get this down. But um yeah, it really has. I feel like sex is one of those incredibly powerful and cathartic things that that we that the ways that we can connect with people, um, one of the best ways that we can connect with people. And I feel like it brings us deeper into our own self and like gives us an awareness that we might never have had otherwise. So um but also, I i mean, I write about myself a lot, so it's definitely, I exploit my stories for a personal gain, um, and that has been something that sort of was an accident as well. Um, but so when I do advice columns, yeah. I, try to do, I try to add a personal element to it because it's like, you're not alone, like, this happens all the time, here's a story about when I was struggling with this or when, you know, someone I loved was. Um, yeah, your After Ellen column, The Hookup, 
like I said, I only came across you from the podcast and then you're writing later. So it's been really exciting for me to catch up. But it is great because I feel like a lot of people go through these things and sometimes we feel alone in it. Like, oh my God, I'm on Tinder and all my friends are getting laid and I'm not. Or, you know, like whatever. You know, all these things that, you know, we all overthink in our heads. You're relating to us and giving us hope that there are other people out there, that it's common, it's just a phase, and it, it's get better type thing. It's like an anonymous therapy. Exactly. So how did you get into doing the advice columns? I was, so it's sort of funny. My first quote unquote paid writing gig was doing sex toy reviews. <laughs> <laughs> early to bed, which is this amazing sex toy store in Chicago. And I didn't actually get paid. I got paid in toys. So, um, that's still not bad. You get to test those toys and get to keep them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except I broke a lot of them. So <laughs> <laughs> with my vagina of steel, um, no, they were crappy toys. Some of them, um, I was bragging about this and how I got paid to masturbate and um, my roommate's friend overheard this, and she happened to be an editor at this website called Center Stage Chicago. It doesn't exist anymore, but she was like, I think you'd be a great person to, to give advice just based on <laughs> this one small anecdote. Um, so, yeah, that was just very fortuitous, and I encourage everyone to, you know, brag about things like that in order to get other paid opportunities. <laughs> you never know. It's still pretty incredible you got paid to orgasm. You can't beat that. I know. I was thrilled. I was like, this is the best job. So so that's how I started doing that. And then just sort of steamrolled from there. I've been doing advice columns since 2007, which wow. is crazy. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Have you ever had any live Q&As or YouTube? Any appearances at like places, bars, things like that? I kind of have. I tried to do... So I did, like, a live hookup um, a few weeks ago. <laughs> Wait. It wasn't really live. It was kind of, like, live on the internet. But I do have a plan to do um, a red-eye, a live red-eye column when my book comes out, um, probably in May. It's. I love how Dan Savage does it. I have a hard time being put on the spot and, like, solve my problem because a lot of the time it's complex and I want to think about it. Um, or, you know, do your research. Because it could be very complicated. It's not um, so black or so white. Right. I mean, some questions are really easy. Like a lot of the ones where it's like, this person is being a huge monster to me. Like, should I break up with them? Yes. yes. <laughs> You're just nodding your head. Yes. We need a little gif of you doing the little nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Like with lesbians, probably 90% of the questions that I get um, are, should I ask this person out? Does this person like me? And it's like, I don't know, but you probably should ask them out. You're going to know unless you do it. And I feel like we have, we struggle with this because, you know, again, we're like sort of conditioned to, to be the, not the askers out, but like the receivers. And it's hard to get out of that mindset, but it's really, really important because you'll never know. And like, you'll drive yourself crazy wondering if someone likes you. So. Yeah, exactly. That whole gender role idea, a man is supposed to pursue you. So a woman will, or vice versa. It's interesting to be in that mindset. People can be very complicated. And even on all these sites, it seems as though girls in particular, my experience, say they're interested in only women, but they're actually scouting out for a threesome with their boyfriend. 
So people in the community feel certain ways, and it's most likely because of their experiences um, of what has happened to us. You know, if we are approached by a bisexual or bi-curious woman, and they say they just want to be alone with a woman, but then weeks later you find out that's not really the case, it doesn't give them a good name. But we also shouldn't be grouping people and saying that all bisexuals are like this, all lesbians are like this, all gay men are like this, all trans people are like that. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And I think that women, too, they're too subtle. They think that they're being really obvious. Um, but it's really like, no, you just texted the dancing bunny girl emojis. Like, that doesn't mean that you want to date them. But they're like, no, it was so obvious. And it's like, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe they should send the scissor, the scissor emoji. <laughs> <laughs> but I know we should make it a thing. Like, this is the I'm asking you out emoji. And then anyone who doesn't get it will be really confused. <laughs> We're going to start a trend. So let's talk about your book, The Lesbian Sex Haiku Book with Cats, coming out April 19th, 2016. Do you want to talk a little about what the book is about? Maybe what inspired you to write the book? Absolutely. Um, So The Lesbian Sex Haiku Book with Cats, it's coming out April 19th, by the way, is a humorous collection of haikus with cat illustrations by my girlfriend, Kelsey Byer. And the illustrations are of cats in various stages of sexual awkwardness. Um, (laughs) And they're amazing. And I wish I could show you. I guess I can show you. Yes, listeners, I'm getting a sneak peek and you are. (laughs) But so like, here's a cat with a laser pointer. Oh, yeah. And the haiku is this crush relentless. I am like a cat and you're a laser pointer. But yeah, it started it started actually five years ago, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it was another, it was a straightish woman that was married that I was in love with. You have loved with a lot of people, girl. <laughs> we had a brief torrid affair, kind of. It wasn't an affair. Her husband knew about it. And actually, he was involved for a minute as well. But um, I, so I just, I, she lived across the country. And I was like, I, I'm so crazy about you. And we started writing haikus to each other. And we wrote hundreds of them and over the years. You know, it continued for a really long time. And sort of out of that came came this book idea. Um, like once I had all these, and a lot of them were sort of romantic and not really applicable to the book, which is mostly humorous and just sort of trying to demystify lesbian culture and lesbian sex. But yeah, it was definitely a catalyst for for making this book happen. And also I started it around the time that I got dumped by by my fiance, my ex-fiance. And it was just like a really crappy time. Like my dad had been diagnosed with lung cancer and we just moved to San Francisco and we couldn't afford it. And I didn't have a job for a long time. And then when I did, I had to take an internship that paid $6 an hour. And so I just found myself really blocked and I couldn't write anything. And so I crawled my way out of that by writing these really short bursts, these haikus that are 17 syllables. And it was a way to tell myself that I was okay and that I would get better and I would be able to write again. And it was just really amazing in that way. And so the book sort of was birthed from that and it's grown a lot. And obviously it's, it's not depressing like my life was. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, and it's been amazing to work with my girlfriend too on this project because, um, it's just really, it was very convenient to have her (laughs) like, Oh, you're a talented artist. Fantastic. Like let's do it together. It is. 
is it's great to collaborate, especially with someone you really care for when you are both talented. I mean, it brings something to the next level, at least, I think. Something from a creative passion, right? Yeah, haikus, they really saved me. I like to be cliche about it, but it was very it was very cathartic for me. That's the thing, too. From some of the things I've read about this book, it seems like your writing is something that has almost healed you. From these experiences that when you were struggling and felt down, even though you couldn't write at all, you persevered and you started writing little by little and now formulated this book. Do you notice this about yourself? Yeah, writing is something that's always been, you know, a savior for me. It's something that I can go back to. It's something that I know I have within me to do. And it's it's just been invaluable. I mean, I can't imagine not being able to write or... You know, even if it's just some stupid little journaling thing where I rant and write expletives, like, it's just, it's, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have it. It would be horrible. (laughs) With that said, what do you do to rejuvenate, to stay creative and to keep doing what you're doing? Yeah. One thing that's been really helpful, have you read The Artist's Way by any chance? In my Amazon wish list. (laughs) Make note, readers. Uh, (laughs) So it's kind of a cheesy book. It's really cheesy. And there's a lot of sort of like God talk, which can get on your nerves um, at times. But one of the things that the author recommends is to start writing morning pages. And that's just you get up and it's the first thing you do and you write three pages and you don't censor yourself and you don't sort of judge yourself and you just write. You write what you're feeling about. And it sort of you start the day being creative and you start the day realizing like, oh, I'm not blocked. Like, look, I just wrote this thing and maybe it's crabby but at least I'm doing something and that has been really awesome for me I just feel like it's a great way to start the day and a great way to just sort of give yourself a little boost and realize that you know you can do creative things and it doesn't have to be in this prescribed way so I recommend it if anyone's like struggling with writing or feeling blocked like to just start doing these morning pages and seeing how you feel after like a month yeah I might start doing that you're waking up, clearing your head, and then starting your day versus going into work with all the stuff still in your head. Instead of writing at the end of the day or venting for the day, you're preventing that from happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I used to like go and check my email immediately. And that's a terrible way to start the day because it's like, oh, look at all this shit I have to do. Look at all the obligations. I have to write back to all these people. And doing the morning pages first is like, no, this is your time to just like reflect and, and start the day the way that you want it to. So that's great. So back to your book, where can listeners pre-order it, uh, subscribe to it, find out more information uh, so that when it does come out, they can get their hands on it. Yeah, it is available on Amazon and it's available on my website, uh, which is annapoli.com. And I'm sure it's on IndieBound and some of those other like uh, independent bookstore websites. I haven't checked that, but I'm, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, if anyone wants to learn more about the book, they're welcome to go to my website or to sign up for my newsletter, which is tinyletter.com slash Anna And I do that every week. And I I include little haikus and and lesbian jokes and sometimes diagrams about why lesbians are similar to zombies. (laughs) (laughs) I love it all. So, yeah, you're so funny. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been really great. I just want to leave our listeners with other ways to find you. Uh, are you active on Twitter? If you want to just spell out your name and URL, and I'll also link it uh, in the show notes, as well as the articles we talked about today. 
um, if you want to let them know where they can reach you. First, yeah, I am on all the social media platforms, much to my productivity detriment. But yeah, it's always my name, which is Anna, A-N-N-A, Pulley, P-U-L-L-E-Y. And that's true for Twitter, for Facebook. Uh, I think on Instagram, I'm Lesbiana. (laughs) (laughs) I like that already. (laughs) But if you just search for my name, I'll come up. Yeah, that would be great. I love I love to hear from people like I'm happy to talk more about any of this with anyone. So and send me your advice questions because I always want to know. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. Listeners, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to rate us on iTunes. You can find us on nakedandinsideout.com. Any questions, comments, inquiries, email hello at nakedandinsideout.com. Until next time.